0: The demand and the requirement of is to preach the truth. Even if it hair lips the governor. We're going to preach the truth. Because only the truth is what can set you free. I'll tell you, I'm kind of like Yeshua. Because I've gotten people now like Nicodemus coming to me in the night in secret. They use messenger instead of Facebook. One guy asks, you're on a roll now. Is it correct that the name Jesus is only not even 400 years old? I said, Google it. I said, yes, it is. We let the light of truth shine. There are people who are lovers of the truth. And no matter what cost, they will believe. That's who I'm in search of. That's who I'm in search of. We are a testimony in this place. I love the fact of all that Yahweh is doing and this word is getting so, so strengthened in your mind, it even sounds a little funny when people say Jesus now to us. Or they, they don't understand when well, we say Yahweh, it's just something we say now. It's, it's now. Now we begin to uproot those things that have formed us just like it formed everybody in the past. From hatred and strife and racism and all those things that we were taught and embedded as a culture. And now we're getting delivered from the culture of Christian uh, modern Christendom. Today, I want to talk about some, some things. But it ain't going to be Easter. I will say Easter a couple of times just a little bit. Because I was raised a certain way. I remember every Easter I'd wear a suit. And we'd get Easter baskets with that fake grass. You know, remember back then it was real fake grass, plastic stuff. And we didn't have plastic eggs back then. We had real eggs that the night before we, that we cooked and stuff, you know. And, and we would go to the cemetery and visit my brother's grave. And of course, then my daddy would visit his brother's grave. And we'd go out, we'd just be visiting people all over the place. And we'd get our special Easter photos at the cemetery, I guess that would be appropriate. Yeah. See, you I believe certain things. I'm talking, I believed them, y'all. I believed. And I gotta be honest with you, I loved Easter. I love the Easter time. Hey, the Master's Week. I love Easter. It's spring, and I love it when I the churches I go to on Easter, and up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph or, his foe, or Low in the I mean, it was so triumphant, it was so wonderful, and everybody's dressed up, man. I mean, man, people wear Easter bonnets, you know. They'd be wearing hats and dressed up. People, you know, them kids would be having to go to church in those little hard shoes, you know, them hard shoes they have to wear. And mama would take them off after church, and their little toes would be so squashed in there. But but the fact remains and is whether I liked it or not, I was said I was a Christian. Which I'm not anymore, by the way. The modern, te- the modern definition of the word, for sure. The fact is, the Bible, who if you say you're a Christian, you should base what you believe off of. That people tell me all the time, well, I tell you what, I, I don't think that you have to do that. I-, I was talking to a man and a woman who were mad at each other and wouldn't talk to each other, and I was like, oh my God. I'm talking about grown people. I'm talking about retired people. And I said, well... I thought you said you were a Christian. I am. I said, well, the Bible says if you don't forgive her, God will not forgive you. I don't believe that. I know it. I don't believe you're a Christian. If you're not going to go by what the Bible says, just don't say you're a Christian. Forget the Bible. But if you're going to say you're a Christian, this is what you're supposed to do. But the Bible says that I'm not to utter one other God's name in this house. The Bible says, listen to this one. It is wrong to have sunrise services, and I was happy for that one. I had a guy tell me the other day, what y'all going to do for Easter this year? Same thing we did for Easter last year, Bill. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Had a friend of mine on Facebook say, well, I'll tell you one thing. I won't be calling Johnny on Easter and wishing him a happy Easter again this year. I learned my lesson. So this guy started telling me, man, his daddy was a Baptist preacher, and he said, man, we used to have a sunrise service. Uh, then we had to have another service after that. I mean, there are people all over here in America today who say they're Christians and they're having a service, a sunrise service, when the Bible says don't have it. I've never read that in the Bible. I know, because you never read your Bible. You just have accepted what was handed down to you and believe and not, you I I I don't trust anybody when it comes to my eternal destination. People I love, I, I, I didn't trust them. I say don't trust me. You're a fool to believe everything I say, but you're also a fool not to consider it. It's just like the way of Cain. You remember Cain? He thought he could worship God any way he wanted to. God said, no, you have to use this as your sacrifice. You have to use it and do it this way. Yeah, but now watch. He was worshiping the same God. He he did it his way. I mean, Cain's real name was Frank Sinatra. He did it his way. I like when I hear my son laugh at my jokes. Somehow we believe it's okay, and we can work with the true God any way we want, even when the Scriptures forbid us from doing it. Guess what? It's okay. It's all right, man. And the truth of the matter is, you might as well, not us, you might as well go ahead and use the goddess of fertility's name while you celebrate the resurrection of your Savior, Jesus, because you have no clue of what his name is either. Like I said, the name Jesus is less than 400 years old. The disciples never did anything in the name of Jesus. They certainly did not invoke the name Jesus with the lame man at the gate, beautiful, in Acts chapter 3. They commanded him to rise up and walk, and they didn't say in the name of Jesus. They said in Yahshua. And the results were, guess what? He actually went walking, leaping, and praising God. And even though your Bible says, and there's no salvation in no one else... For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among people by which we must be saved. For God provided the world no alternative for salvation, Acts 4.12, Amplified Version. Like King, we're going to do whatever the hell we want anyhow. And I say, good luck with that. And good luck finding you some eggs today. I want to say one more thing about Easter. And that is, your Jesus of Easter is an imposter. You're going to be deceived when who you say is the Antichrist who's going to come, set up his kingdom of Jerusalem. You're going to call him Jesus. It'll be Jesus Christ, supposedly, Yahshua Christ. But you're going to call him the Antichrist because of ignorance. Doubting Pharisees, man, they were asking Yahshua. They said, I want, we need a sign that you're the Messiah. Tell us. What, what, give me some supernatural evidence and proof of your Messiahship. What is it? And listen to this. Listen to what Yahshua said. This is Matthew 12, 39 and 40. He said, okay, the fact is an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no, be given no sign to you. But one sign the prophet of the prophet Jonas, or Jonah. He said, there ain't but one sign that's going to prove that I am the Messiah. Are you all with me? For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. He said, Yahshua said, look, there's only one sign I'm going to give you. Not that I'm going to do miracles, not that I walk on water. Not. He said one sign. And he, that means he's going to spend three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Oh, Now, this, this is back in the first, uh, beginning of the 80s when, when we first heard this one. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming Oh, hallelujah. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Well, beautiful. So I mean, I think the slogan is what beauty, except it's a lie. Y'all be happy today. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped today. I'm thinking that if those who celebrate Easter are not concerned with scriptural p- p- truth, at the very least, maybe they can get their math right. Three days and three nights from Friday just don't add up to Sunday. If Yahsh- Yeshua had been killed on Friday, and then one day after he had risen, and after one day he had risen, the resurrection would have occurred on Saturday. After two days, it would have happened Sunday evening. And after three days, it would have happened on Monday evening. The fact is, Yeshua was crucified on Wednesday, Passover, the 14th of Nisan. He was in tomb Wednesday, he was in the grave, Wednesday night, night one, Thursday, it's a a special Sabbath, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and Thursday night, night two, Friday, day two, Friday night, day three, Saturday, day three, the weekly Sabbath, three days. He was resurrected in the evening of Saturday, at the beginning of Sunday, days were sundown to uh, sundown to sundown. Listen to this. He was taken prisoner on Nisan the 14th. He was given a legal trial, crucified the next day at 9 a.m. Now it's the third hour, 9 a.m., and they crucified him, Mark 15:25. I'm doing this fast, and if they really want to know the truth, they can, they can slow me down. We already know this. From the 6th hour noon until the ninth hour, 3 p.m., there was darkness all over the land. Approximately 3 p.m. on Passover day, Yahshua's breath left his body. He died. He was crucified on Passover, Nisan the 14th. Remember, why, was he, why did he die on Passover? Because he is our Passover. He was a Passover lamb prophesied and set aside on Nisan the 14th hundreds of years before that date. Listen to me. 1 Corinthians 5, 7, For indeed Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. I tell you, it is so wonderful for me to, if I ever have some doubts that attack my mind and wondering about things, it's wonderful to know and it's, and, and it's wonderful to be able to encourage you and others that the true Paschal Lamb of God came into Jerusalem hundreds of years later on the exact same day that the Israelites in Egypt were told to take the Lamb, Nisan 10, Exodus 12, 3. Listen, you can't choreograph that. All of his life he he's saying he is who he says he is. And then the, the, Jew, the Romans are going to somehow choreograph to go along with what was prophesied of, of Passover they don't even understand. But Yahshua came on the same day that the Israelites pulled the Passover lamb while they were still in Egypt at Passover they were keeping unblemished male lamb until the fourteenth day of the same month and kill that lamb the same evening. The evening of the exact same day Yahshua was killed, hundreds of years later, on the Nisan the 14th. Then and there he is now. That's when he died, exactly what the Bible said. And now, of course, he rose from the dead on the feast of first fruits. Duh! Three days later. And exactly hundreds of years later, on the feast of first fruit. 1 Corinthians 15, 20. But now was Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. 1 Corinthians 15, 23. He's the first fruit, and guess what? Every man in his order, those that raised from the dead at his coming. Yahshua is the Passover lamb. He's the first to be resurrected from the dead. Your Jesus is an imposter. He did not fulfill the only sign he said, because you got him dying on Friday. And I can get into what Yahshua said. He understood what a day is, 12 hours, and a night is 12 hours. He knew 72 hours. He, he was smart. He took math, evidently. Thank God he did the old math, not this new stuff. Your Jesus, on your Easter, did not fulfill the only sign that said that he was the Messiah. Why, Yahshua did. Do the math. All right, I'm over that, okay. Whew, I'm over it. Are y'all glad I'm over it? You know, this is the, we're in the 50 days of, of, of Passover, you know, and we're going through the three feasts, Unleavened Bread and the First Fruits, Pentecost comes up, and so these 50 days, we give the first of everything in our life, but we, we honor Yeshua. Let me, let me tell you what, Yeshua our first fruit offering is a demonstration that we believe in the true gospel and in the true Messiah. Why? Because he is the first fruit and the promise of others to come. His death and resurrection, him being the first fruit, raised on the first fruit, him being the first fruit is a promise to us that we too will raise. Y'all understand that? The reason we celebrate Yahshua's resurrection to immortality he got his well done he went presented himself he got judged by his father he said well done He, he was rewarded immortality and because of that now i have a hope you have a hope of immortality first corinthians 15 if you don't like the bible you're going to be bored for about three minutes chapter one moreover brethren I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. And that gospel by which ye are saved, if, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. So much for once saved, always saved. Here's just another thing in the Bible that says, look, you know, you can believe in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, How that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and He was buried, and He rose again the third day, the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that He was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, He was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain of this present, but some are fallen asleep; they're dead. After that, He was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, that am not meek to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. But I labor more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God that worketh in me. Therefore, if it were I or they, so we preach and so ye believed now christ now if christ be preached that he rose from the dead how say some of you that there is no resurrection of the dead but if there be no resurrection of the dead then christ is not risen and if christ be not risen then our preaching is vain and your faith is also in vain what is he talking about he's talking about the true gospel he's talking about the fifth foundational principle of resurrection from the dead he's not saying look not, you're not in heaven. He said, yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified to God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that we're not going to be raised up. For the dead raised not up, and Yahshua was not raised. And if Christ's not raised, then what we are, the, our faith is in vain, and ye are yet in your sins. Listen to this. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. I thought they were in heaven. No, people hadn't read the Bible. They're too busy having businesses. Architects, accountants, instead of true apostles, are running churches. Entrepreneurs. If we only have hope in Christ, we are all men most miserable. In other words, well, he rose from the dead, but if we're not going to rise from the dead, we might as well eat, drink, and be merry, which some people already are anyhow. But uh, now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. What's he talking about? Christ, of all the people that have died, he's the first one, the first fruits. And now, because of him, 1 Corinthians, oh, let me just read it. Because of him, now we have a promise to come. That's what first fruit offering does. It's about, about that's first raised from the dead and the promises of things to come. And the number one promise of things to come. He rose from the dead. Guess what? We have a promise of resurrection. Y'all want to talk about a good good story for this time of the year? I thank God for his resurrection. But I'll tell you what's more important than that today. Because he's already resurrected. My resurrection. Can you be honest enough to say that? I'll tell you what I'm talking about right now. I mean, Yahshua got his. What about our resurrection? That's what I'm preaching he says "For since by man came death by man came also the resurrection of the dead listen the first fruit that died was Adam and guess what the promise of things to come for us we all die y'all hear me y'all hear me don't let you know we can't let these this other stuff that's floated up there when we think die we think we don't die when he said the wages of sin is death we as modern christendom says you don't really die that's what the serpent said. Thou shalt not surely die. Yeah, you do. So he said, if you eat of this tree, ye shall surely die. Not, not be dead, but more alive than you are now in some other place. The Bible. If we ter- let the Bible interpret itself and not add all this junk, we'll be okay. For as in Adam all did die, so even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order. Christ the firstfruits. One. fruit. Firstfruit. You gave him your first fruit offering? Guess what you're saying? I believe Yahshua was the first fruit. What about everybody else, Johnny? Listen to what the Bible says. Afterward, they that are Christ. So they're, re- they're already going to heaven. No, it says at his coming. Do you believe he's come yet? Well, there's one denomination that prophesied it for like 16 times, and he never showed up. So now they say he's really here, but you just can't see him. Oh, yeah. Every man his own order. Our order is those that are Christ's that is coming. Then he says, Then the end cometh the end, for he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, even the Father, when he shall put down all rule and authority and power. That's the Davidic promise. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. And of course, the last enemy that is destroyed is called what? Death. Because death is what causes the end of us. When he destroys the, that power of death over us, then we get immortality and we can live. Yeshua I mean, Paul was talking, and the scripture I just read, parts of that verse are picked out and are preached in every funeral I've ever been to. And I go up to these preachers and I say, "Dude, you, you know what you just said? You preached to him in heaven, and it says, "Not till his coming." Yeshua's going to heaven, but nobody else says. How can you preach that?" A guy in our church went to a funeral one time and confronted the Baptist preacher who was saying that. He said, well, we're just comforting the family. I don't think you can comfort me with something that's not true. Yeshua came as a messenger bringing from Yahweh the most important message ever announced to mankind. And the message was news. It was good news that the kingdom of God's going to be restored to the earth. And people have gotten, thinking they have gotten saved believing in the death, burial, and resurrection of Yeshua. But you can't. It's in addition to the true gospel, but our faith is in what God promised. The death, burial, and resurrection is the way by the, and the means by, by how we can get and receive the promise. Apostles traveled through the whole Roman world, and they had this same bold and urgent message. They said, look, Yahshua's died. He raised from the dead. He's exalted at the right hand of the Father, and now we have hope. All of us who who try to follow his example of obedience. This is how you do it. That's what he said. This is the way. That's what he said. Watch this. But They were mocked. They were ridiculed. They were persecuted. But they preached that beautiful gospel message. They were witnesses of the resurrection of Yahshua. And they proclaimed the hope and the promise that is to come to all of us. What about David? The Bible says in Acts, that he's still in his grave. What about Elijah? Still in the grave. Enoch? Mm, still in the grave. What about Lazarus? Parable. The sixth foundational principle is, is so important, you know. And so, you know, I know a lot of people think it's redundant to hear it over and over and over again. But I, I think that we think we know some things sometimes. We may know the information, but the, the depth and the value of what must be believed in that truth is, is, is important. And the number one lie... Of the serpent, is this? Is that immortality is inherent? That we're all born with a divine spark, and we're all going to live together. I want to tell you, I read it on Facebook over and over. I've listened. I don't. I don't listen to preachers much because the last three TVs I shot cost me too much. But of the. But, but the, you know, I hear it over and over. Oh, we're not. We're we're just going with the Lord. We're absent body, present with the Lord. Sin brought death. And that is the death that became the destiny of all mankind. It was so, death was so powerful that when Yahshua was born, he was even subject to death. He died. and At the same time, Yahweh in his mercy had promised this Redeemer who would come and triumph over sin and over death. Why do you have to come triumph over death if everybody who dies goes to heaven? By his own glorious resurrection to immortality, he leads us to the way to eternal life. Him, the first fruit, gives us the promise of what's to come and can be possible for us. I know it's contrary to the popular theory about, you know, immortal souls that live on after the death of the body. and, And as we've shown many, many times with simplicity and ease and with the scriptures, that that doctrine is just not taught anywhere in the Bible. Despite all these wonderful, heart-gripping, nostalgic stories about people that went to heaven when, when they came back, well, I believe you could have had a vision of heaven because heaven exists. If you say you saw your grandma there, you're smoking something, or you just might be crazy. I've had crazy dreams before. Anybody had a crazy dream before? All this painted pictures on the canvas of our imaginations that have been embedded and stained the ability to have something else painted there. And I show people over and over again, there's no such doctrine taught in the whole Bible. But guess what? They don't care because they're so in love with their prince charming Jesus and their big daddy, the big guy upstairs. Man, can you talk to the big guy upstairs for me, Johnny? No. The Bible says... Eternal life is not the natural inheritance inheritance of man. As beautiful as they tell us heaven is, nobody wants to go there. They will fight tooth and nail. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. How many of you you have planned a trip somewhere to a beautiful place and you just dream about it all the time. When the day comes, you're so excited to go. Instead of saying, I ain't going. No, I ain't going. You can't drag them to the car. No, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. I don't. Well, don't you know it's peace and love and joy and God's there and all this stuff. Baloney. Nobody wants to go there. It's something that bothered me. But I'm going to read you a couple of scriptures. Acts chapter 13, verse 46 and 48. And I hope you got it because I didn't write it down. I just did the text. Acts 13, 46. Then Paul and Bar- Barnabas waxed coal, is what I say, 40, yeah, and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, to, uh, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be a salvation unto the ends of the earth, verse 48. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified, and glorified the word of the Lord, as many as were of... Uh, who, as were ordained to eternal life, believed? Let me ordained eternal life. I thought we everybody was born with it. Romans 8:13. Can you put that up there for me? I'm just gonna give you a couple here. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. So there is a requirement that says you're not really born with this thing. Hebrews 5, 9 is another one. I'm going to read this one to you. Romans 2, 6 and 7. God will render to every man according to his deeds to them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and seek for honor and seek for immortality and seek for eternal life. Why do you have to seek for eternal life if you're born with it? You know, brother Johnny, it ain't a matter of whether you're going to live forever or not. It's just matter where you're going to go. I think mean, what the Bible teaches: if it's something a person seeks and something which God will only grant under certain conditions, conditions, obviously, it's not inherent in us to in our natural state. The fact is clearly taught throughout the whole Bible. Consider this text, John three sixteen. I mean, my God, we most people can quote it. I still love the world. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth him should not, but shall have. Okay, here's the option. Here's the alternative is to have perish or have everlasting life. Perish or have everlasting life. And it's conditional upon belief and obedience for the word has a dual significance. If everlasting life were a natural heritage, a person could not utterly perish whether he believed or not. Am I a little animated today? I'm a little ooh today. The Bible teaches that those who do not fulfill this condition set by God are not going to get eternal life. But we've been taught to think eternal life means heaven. Perish means hell. It's just in our brain. We read that scripture and we think the alternative is heaven or hell. And it don't say that. Perish. If you don't uh, continually seeking and obeying, you're just going to perish. So our only true hope is the hope that our first fruit, Yeshua has given us. Him first, and then those at His coming. So the resurrection of the dead is an important thing. And Yahshua's is an important thing. Your first fruit offering is an important thing. You're declaring, hey, Yahshua is my first fruit, and I believe who He that He's the first to be raised, and that I have a promise to be raised if I follow after Him. So if it's logically clear from the Bible... That if man is mortal, and yet the reward that God has set before him is eternal life, which means you will live forever, and you don't have it. The only possible way to life eternal is through a bodily resurrection. That's why the resurrection is so important. That's what Paul said. 1 Corinthians 15, 19, and 23. If in this life we only have hope in Christ, I read it earlier, we are all of most men most miserable. But now as Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept Look, Christ the first fruit after with those that are alive it is coming there's no mistaking the meaning of the words I just read you and they teach the doctrine of the bodily resurrection at Yeshua's coming The main thing I want you to grab today is number one first part of my message to see how how blatantly lazy and and uncaring you must be to think that Easter can you can honor Christ having Easter. Number two, I want you to begin to have your faith grounded in the foundational principles and one of those being the resurrection from the dead and that Christ is the first fruit. And that's why we do it at the first fruit offering is the first of the year, uh, sacred year, not the first of the civil year. And it's because we are declaring and worshiping and showing our faith that we believe this. Because of this, I have an opportunity and a hope that we will be raised incorruptible. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. Watch this. And this mortal must put on immortality. So if we're mortal, if we're immortal, why do we need to put on immortality if we already have it? Are y'all with me today? Y'all need to help me a little bit today. Okay? My enthusiasm's kind of draining. You're like... Death, what, death is swallowed up in victory, O death where is thy sting, O grave, where is thy victory the sting of death is sin, the strength of the sin is the law, but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord, Yahshua O death, where's your sting and grave, where's your victory I'm in heaven, for God's sake keep the body <laughs> The teaching's clear and I think needs, needs a little explanation from somebody who's just will be honest about what the Bible says and they don't have a dog in the fight I want to tell you, some people are too proud to admit that they've been wrong all these years. I encourage you, just humble yourself under, under the word of God, under the mighty hand of God, and, and let the truth be known. Man, what, what a wonderful thing it would be for people to finally just to admit it and not be afraid of who's going to support them or not, or how many people people's gonna leave their church and those kind of things. What do my friends say? Your friends don't care. They don't care nothing about the Bible. You just love them. They'll love you like you are. True? i got people love me. They don't care what I think. They don't care what I think for them. The doctrine of a bodily resurrection from the state of death to eternal one. That's the clearing. It provides no room for us to think that somehow we have this immortal soul, and the resurrection then would be unnecessary. True? I go through all that. It's the consistent teaching of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. It reveals that the first work of Yahshua at his return is to do what? Those who believed in the first fruit, the first thing he's going to do is from the ark, the, the, uh, the, what is it? the trump of the archangel, those dead in Christ are going to rise. He's going to call them forth. That's the first work of Christ when he returns. I thought he was going to be on white horses with him. You need to change churches good god somebody say why didn't, why didn't why didn't i know this it's a good question he's gonna raise the responsible believer from the dead and that's when the judgment takes place if you're already in heaven or in a, a, a you know fake hell burning you know okay well, well i haven't been judged yet shut up and burn I thought God was just. Just shut up. Okay, it's time for you going. Oh, my God, I can't wait for the day when I go to judgment. Back you go. I know I make fun of it, but God, I mean, I used to believe it. I'm ashamed of it. I'm ashamed of how stupid I was and how ignorant I was. But I'm also mad at men of God who didn't spend their time studying and for my benefit. I've forgiven you. And A lot of them are dead. He's going to judge us. He's going to reward them. According to our works. And guess what the reward is? Immortality. And those that get judged without a well done go to the second death. The Bible calls it the lake of fire, which is a metaphor. And if you read a little bit, scriptures down, two scriptures down, which is the second death. What's that mean? He's going to raise you up. He's going to judge you. If you didn't make it, guess what? You die. You go back to the grave. That's fair. Especially if you lived in some jungle somewhere and never heard the name. Well, I shouldn't say Jesus because that, went, that ain't going to save you anyhow. Now listen, I know, I know y'all, I'm going to tell y'all, I don't say that recklessly. I hope y'all understand that. I don't say that recklessly. That, that's not easy for me to say because of the way I was raised. Y'all hear me? It's not easy. But I'm going to believe the Bible over all of modern Christendom. If it says there's only one name, I'm going to believe there's only one name. And I'm not going to believe a name that evolved into something that ain't even 400 years old. Joshua, this is 2 Timothy 4.10, shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. What does that mean? Those that are alive on, remain, and are alive on the earth and those that are dead. He's going to judge them at his appearing and his kingdom. Daniel 12.2, many that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. It says that they are asleep in the dust of the earth and shall awake and be judged at his return. Where does it say that they're in heaven or burning in hell? I don't know, but we're having 30,000 egg Easter eggs a day at our church. I kid you not, I'm driving down the road and there's a church on 200. I bet they're wonderful people, probably way nicer than me. They have a sign out there. I'm like, Mr. Young, not have to get me some new glasses. Now, evidently, because of COVID, they're not open. And the sign said this drive through Easter egg hunt. What the heck? What? The I was trying to. Dude! I was like, my brain couldn't wrap around it right that Hey, a drive through Easter egg hunt. I could, I could wrap my mind around an Easter egg giveaway drive through or I could do a drive-by egging (laughs) done that drive through Easter egg hunt I guess you go through and you give them your tithe and they give you an egg I don't know but I know that Isaiah said this in chapter 26 verse 19 Thy, thy dead men shall live, together with my dead body shall they rise. Awake and sing, ye that dwell in the dust, for the earth shall cast out its dead. And Second Corinthians 5.10 says, For we believers must all appear before the judgment of Christ, that everyone may receive the things in the body according to, to that he hath done, whether good or bad. Galatians six said, "He soweth the flesh, shall reap of the corruption; but he that soweth the Spirit shall reap of the Spirit, life everlasting." I tell you a scripture that always, that always is a good scripture for me. I didn't write it down today, but the, the, the psalmist David said this: "I will see him when I awaken." Are you waking? What are you talking about? I thought you were up there dancing with him now. Are you going to dance today, Lisa, or not? We're going to sing that song. You're not? Oh, next Sunday? Is that going to be next Sunday? I sang a song for her today, before church. So, Paul declared he counted everything lost at loss. I count all things but loss. Philippians three eleven. Listen what he said: If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, my Paul, you're in heaven, but Jesus. He was using expression in a complete sense and denoting a resurrection to life eternal. And he continued by declaring that this was the great objective of his life for which he prepared to sacrifice everything else, that I will be one of those resurrected from the dead. You want to hear a good Easter message? I'm talking about me resurrected, not Yahshua today. I'm talking about I can resurrect because of Yahshua resurrecting. And he's the first fruit. And guess what? I'm part of those that are the promise to come. And I want you to be too. You can search in vain. I've asked people, please, please play, prove me wrong. Please put me out of my misery. Please, I don't like saying this stuff sometimes. But they cannot find one single reference to the alleged immortal soul. The word immortal's in there, yeah. The word soul in there. Not once are mourners comforted with the idea that souls that the souls of the departed are in heaven, but rather that they will rise from the dead at the return of Christ. First Corinthians 14, 16. Comfort yourselves with these words. Not there in the arms of Jesus. John three thirteen. Three verses before John three sixteen it says that no man hath ascended unto heaven. Not even David, the man after God's own heart. Acts two thirty four. Paul made the hope of the resurrection a keynote of his defense of the faith. And before the Sanhedrin in Acts 23, this is what he says. Of the hope and resurrection of the dead, I am called in question. This is what he said to Agrippa. Why should it be thought an incredible thing with you that God should raise the dead? And then before Festus, not Matt Dillon's Festus, but another guy. Acts 24, 15, there is a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. That was the believing and the teaching of the apostles, the prophets, the Lord himself. This is what they did all through the Roman Empire. If you're not belief, skips over the bodily resurrection from the dead it is not in accordance with the revelation and the purpose of God and you do not know the gospel and therefore you cannot please God nor be saved <clears throat> I get animated I'm not mad at people but people are going to get mad at these people who didn't tell them the truth one day there's going to be some, some preachers running because before people get judged and they're waiting to be judged they're going to find out that's him Get him! There's going to be mobs. I think that's probably how they're going to get their stripes. The Bible talks of some with many stripes. By misleading people. Even though they themselves may be victims, it doesn't give you a right to make others victims. There's no room for both belief in a bodily resurrection and the immortality of the soul. If a man goes his reward at death, for what purpose is a bodily resurrection and judgment at Christ's coming? Y'all give me a couple more minutes. And then we're going to, Joel's going to sing, He's Alive, and we're going to go hunt Easter eggs out back here. <laughs> the Bible teaches there's really only going to be a few raised comparatively. Responsible believers will be resurrected. Every person, every person who say they're Christians and have access to a Bible and go to church every Sunday will be responsible to know the truth. Otherwise, they would never have been given the opportunity. And they're going to be held responsible, and they're the ones who are going to be resurrected. Those that never heard the gospel, you can't judge them for something they are ignorant about. And the Bible's clear. They're not going to be raised. The Bible says they will never see light. We've got that with teachings. That all these people who are in churches all over the world celebrating Easter are going to be held accountable for that. Obviously, they don't understand the true gospel—the only name by which man can be saved. They don't understand what the first fruit Christ means. They don't—they—they they don't think understanding Passover, Pentecost, and tabernacles is as important. They just celebrate a pagan holiday. I told us I won't talk about Easter no more. I was mistaken. The, the fact simply clear proclaimed by Yeshua himself. John 11, 25, I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He said, believers shall rise. He showed that light or knowledge is the ground of responsibility towards God. A person who understands the will of God has a responsibility to perform it on pain of condemnation. If he don't obey it. Luke uh, Luke 12, 47, 48, that servant who knew the Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. And again in John chapter 12, he that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him the word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in that last day. You can John 3 19, John 9 41, John 15, 22. But there's some people who never will hear the purpose of God, who never have access. The Bible says this about them. It says in Proverbs 21, they wander out of the way of understanding and shall remain in the congregation of the dead. I'm reading your Bible. They're not in hell burning. They remain in the congregation of the dead. I think that's a just, loving, merciful God. God is love. But you're going to burn in hell forever, never, never because you didn't hear my name. The fundamental purpose of the resurrection is to be judged. And where there's no knowledge of what's required, there's no basis for somebody to be judged on. The Bible teaches that those people die, never to live again. Let me read you Psalm 49. The uh, man that is in honor and understandeth not is like the uh, the beast that perish. They go to the generation of their fathers in the grave. They shall never see light. And Isaiah 26 Isaiah 43 says, They... Those without understanding are dead. They shall not live. They are deceased. They shall not rise. Therefore hast thou visited and destroyed them and made all their memory to perish. Jeremiah 51, 57. They shall sleep a perpetual sleep and not wake. Psalm 88:5. The, the slain that lie in the grave whom thou rememberest no more, and they are cut off from their hand. Ephesians 2, 12. They are without hope and without God in the world. Ephesians 4.17, the understanding understanding darkened, alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that's in them because of the blindness of their heart. The majority of mankind are in the state of darkness. They're in the state of ignorance before God. Their heart is blinded, and so they're without hope. Why? Because the only hope we have is the first fruit, Yeshua. And there is no other hope. Y'all hear me? Modern Christians, Jesus didn't fulfill the only thing that he said would be a sign. So wouldn't you think that, wait a minute, one, two, three. And I'd swing my grandkids just like that. One. We don't even take the time to count to see if this man that we're worshiping and this name that we're worshiping is even, because it don't matter, Johnny. The serpent power of sin and death remains triumphant. The Bible says, James 4.14, guess what your life is? It's something that when you're born, it's the gaseous thing that lasts forever and ever, and you can smell it forever. Have you been by the FedEx building lately? Anybody drive by there? Have you, you know, they got a new dump over there. And the methane gas off that dump is so, I mean, it almost makes me dizzy. Just go by there one day, take a wheel. You don't have to roll your window down. That's what we think our life is like. It's just this thing that lasts for eternal. Let me tell you what the Bible says about your life. It describes it as a vapor. I don't sound eternal to me. But see, the reason we think it's eternal is because of that thing that we've been told all of our life. That, and it's wrong! And it's confusing because they were good people! We have our moments of triumph in life and disaster and pleasure and pain and success and we have sorrow. And then we just pass on into oblivion, becoming as though we had never been as the grass that withers. Ecclesiastes 9.5 says that the, our, the memory of us rapidly fades. And The Bible uses the term, finally, we're forgotten. You know, there were some of the greatest people that ever lived. We don't know who they are. And I'm not sure the people that are in history books are as great as they say they are. We're going to live yet again. Those who remain in ignorance or in error are going to pass on into oblivion. Thus thou shalt return. I'm almost done. Thank God we have an understanding of God's will for the just and the unjust. And we're going to be raised mortal from the grave together with living believers to be brought, be brought in that judgment seat of Christ. And we're going to be set on the earth. This this going to be set on the earth at some secluded spot. I believe, of course, you know, at the real Mount Sinai now, the real Mount of Moses, not, not the one that's the tourist attraction, the one that they don't let you go to, that the top is melted down. And there's, a, there's an old remnant of the altar, the, of the, the calf with the calf uh, in, engraved on the stone. And they have this big 50 or 60 foot uh, uh, rock that, that is split down the middle. And you can see where water has eroded, even the, the rock. Remember I showed those pictures that time? I told Jonathan, I'll tell you what, you want me to travel with you? There's one place in the world I'd like to go there. And I'm going to go ahead and reserve my seat. And there's room for millions of people to be there. Of course, it's fenced and barbed wire by the Arabs. I believe that's where we're going to meet. That's my opinion. The law was given there. Why not the law adjudicated there? He's going to adjudicate over those who have learned of him. Those who by, watch this, I'm quoting the same scripture, by patient continuance and well-doing has sought for glory, honor, and immortality. And those are the ones who will receive a well-done and eternal life. And those only. Those who willfully reject the precepts of Christ and the true gospel of the kingdom and the truth of God's word by failing to practice the principles set before him in what he's requiring. They're going to get tribulation and anguish, and they're going to be condemned, consigned to what the Bible calls the second death. However, the righteous, those that are are warning for their well done, we're going to be given immortality by the bestowal of the same nature that God has, that God will be manifested in a man, and we will be of the God kind, godliness, God likeness. And we're going to be changed into the very likeness of Yahshua, we will have victory over the serpent power of sin and death, and we and will complete and lasting over the power of the grave, and will never have hold of us ever again. That's what Yeshua promised Peter. The apostle said he left everything to follow Yeshua, and he demanded, "What he gonna get? What am I getting for all this?" Matthew 19 is what this was. Yeshua's answer: "Ye which have followed me." In the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of His glory, ye shall sit upon twelve thrones, jul- judging the twelve tribes of Israel, and every one of you that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. Hallelujah. Yeah, You lost anything? I would be honest with you. I mean, I have much over there because God's been so good to me, I ain't really lost nothing here. Anybody say amen to that? The song of the redeemed is going to be sung in the age to come, and it expresses the terms and status of those who received immortality. Revelation chapter 5, verse 9 and 10. Listen to this Thou was slain. And has redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred tongue and people and nation, and had made unto uh, uh, us unto our God, kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth." Revelation 20 says, "They lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. He say nothing about going to heaven. Why is that so important, Johnny? Because you can't have eternal life thinking and your hope and your belief system being that you're going to go to heaven. You're believing something wrong. Just like when you believe that Easter's okay. Just like you believe that the name Jesus, well, it don't really matter. Even though he said there's only one. Having conquered self and gained the victory over that serpent power of sin and death, we will be proving ourselves to be competent to rule with Christ and to assist, to assist him in bringing all the nations to Yahweh that Yahweh might become all and in all. Violate like this scripture. 1 Corinthians 15, 28. Excuse me, Revelation 21 4. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are going to be passed away. I got to tell you, this is my personal belief. I'm glad He's going to wipe all the tears from my eyes. Because there's going to be some people who I love so deeply, and who I've cried over and prayed for. And Believe God for and tried to love and teach and, and I'll be standing on that day and I'll be there when Yahshua says depart from me, you worker of inequity because they traded their birthright for some worldly thing thinking that it's so important oh, and I'm going to cry, I cry now please Yahweh, please help that person Well, Johnny, you know, I got problems. I have my internal dialogue. I got this or this. Well, y'all, look, get over it. Yeah, but you don't know when I was born, my daddy did this. So what? That's expired now. And I see all these people who I genuinely am preaching this gospel, y'all, and doing it the way, number one, for my Lord, but I'm doing it for you, but I'm also doing it so other people will know. Otherwise, I would stay home and not do it. Do y'all understand? That there's going to be those that we love and care about. One of my sons don't get their well done. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. It's going to be, it's going to be tough when one of your children look at you and say, Daddy, what? Ah. It's going to be tough. Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you live it? Well, you know, I had things to do. I was busy. There's going to be some crying. The Bible says there's going to be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth for those who think that just that little bitty, you know, that little bitty day in the kindergarten and you wanted that nickel to steal. Okay, I stole more than a nickel, I to be honest with you. Somehow it was worth eternity. And you're going to look back on this little life here and it's going to mean nothing. You, if, you pro- if you gain the whole world and profit and lose your own soul, that's going to be crying time right there, boys. My God, am I, am I an idiot? Yeah. You're an idiot! damn fool and i'm here to provoke people and challenge them to wake them up so they'll have an opportunity i don't want people that i love to be standing there and me look at them and say you're kidding me you were with me what 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 secret life are you living you whip your butt you know what i'm saying Somebody told me, well, you're not going to remember nothing when you're there. "Bull! how can you enjoy the blessing of what God's brought you through and all you went through and praise him for that when you don't remember? Oh, you're going to remember. But I believe he's going to heal that emotion, and he's going to wipe the tears from your eyes, whatever that means. Because he says there's going to be no more sorrow, crying, or pain. And those former things are going to be behind me. And some by the, how, somehow by the miraculous power of God, all the hurt, that I have in this body, in this mind, these emotions, he's going to bring healing to. And we're going to reign in this perfected world in which sin and death will have been completely eradicated. Oh my God, how beautiful will that be, y'all? No more sickness in people. No more hurt, disappointment. We'll be immortal. We'll be offered unto Yahweh. Christ, the first fruits, has triumphed over the serpent power of sin and death. Yahweh raised him from the dead and judged him as God is well done, became immortal, gave him that name as above every name. And now he's offering to you and me the means whereby we can do likewise. First fruit, promise of things to come. In Revelation chapter 118, listen to this. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore and have the keys of hell and of death. Why does he need keys to hell and death, death in the grave? Because he's got the way to get us out from perishing and the wages of sin, which is to die. Our wisdom this morning lies in taking hold of those means and those keys that we have available to you, to you and I today. And we are seeking to attain immortality and this eternal life that's going to be granted to us by Yahshua if we do his will. And we believe his promises. Let's bow our heads this morning. Say goodbye to y'all.